Welcome to EM Healing, which is hosted by myself, Mahatma Star Seed. And when you dive into our episodes, you are going to be inspired to grow, to shift, to reflect on your inner wealth. If you are looking to find a new way of living, you have found it. So enjoy this wonderful episode that we're tuning into right now. Hello, much love and light. Welcome, welcome, everyone. This is a new episode. We are gearing to the end, being part of our season three. We got a couple of more dynamic episodes that are coming to you today. We are bonding with our healing with our co-host, Damon Davis. And he will be joining myself, Mahatma Sarseed. And we're going to be unfolding today with bonding with our stories through adoption. So I'm going to let Damon share more about who he is and where he's from. And then we're going to jump into the conversation. Take it away, Damon. Thank you so much, Mahatma. I appreciate it. And thanks for having me. So my name is Damon Davis. I am an adopted person. That means... For those of you who haven't really thought about it, that I was born in one family of origin and I was raised in a separate family where luckily I was very loved. I'm also the host of the Who Am I Really podcast, which is a show where I interview other adopted people about their journey through adoption and their attempt to find their own biological family members. And this was something born out of my passion for telling these adoption stories, because I think Quite often we have a certain narrative in our head about what adoption is, what reunion looks like, and we make some assumptions. And unfortunately, quite rarely are any of those assumptions true. They are very frequently false. And so I come to you today to share a little bit about my own personal story of adoption, my reunion with my biological mother and my biological father separately and my inspiration for starting the Who Am I Really podcast. That is amazing start of an explanation of who you are. I really appreciate you sharing a little bit of your background. I'm excited to just jump into today's topic, you know, uh, just to add to about the, you know, the perceptions of, of stories, you know, is really uh, one of the conversations that are really near and dear to my heart. I'm an advocate for helping others really learn how to own their story. I actually have an episode for those of you who haven't listened to it. There is a story about owning your storyline. Check out season two and um, you can learn more about uh, reconstructing that However, today we're going to dive a little bit deeper and look at from the angle of, you know, adoption and the stories that are created from that avenue. Um, you know, I really know that it's the biggest question that everybody goes through, you know, and one of the things that I've 
I've commonly said about adopted stories, and I was telling you this behind the scenes, I really don't know a lot of people that have really gone through that, but I have spoken uh, briefly about what I feel like people that go through adoption have, you know, the benefit of, and I feel like they have a a benefit of, of really starting off their journey with asking the question more deeper of who am I really? Right. And, uh, and, <laughs> and so for you to come here with that story and you have that podcast and you're holding that presence, I would really like for, you know, us to open up with how did you come to that Avenue? What caused you to really say, I want to share the stories. What was that turning point? The turning point for me to start the podcast actually came after my own adoption reunion unfolded. And it started off in a really unique way. I will sort of jump to the end and tell you that I found my biological mother very close to where I was working. And it was such an inspirational story for how we got together and how much we liked each other and how well we got along that. I would tell the turning point for me was the fact that when I found my biological mother, she was working right around the corner from me. And it was such a wonderful reunion that I can go into a little bit more later that I would tell everybody about it. It was amazing. And what would sometimes happen was I would get an a, very positive response from certain people who would say, that's really incredible. It sounds like a book. You should, it sounds like a movie. But then I would occasionally run into adopted people and they would say to me, oh, I'm really happy for you for that, but that will never happen to me. And they would go into the reasons why. They would say things like, well, my adoptive parents don't want me to search. Or I found my biological parents and they don't want to know me. Or I don't know how I would even find my biological parents because the original birth certificate from when I was born is sealed away from me because the state where I was born doesn't allow access to birth records. And I started to realize that there were story after story after story of individuals who were hoping that they could at least try some kind of reunion and they really weren't able to do so or complete one in the way that you and I and many people commonly think of reunion that, you know, you just find your biological parents and they'll want to know you and things should be cool. That's not it at all. I was lucky and not everybody has that experience, as I've said. Mm -hmm. So the more I started talking to other adopted people about their challenges, both with their adoptive family and with their attempt to find their own biological family, I realized there's so many stories across the adoption community that I should be in a position of trying to help tell more of these stories. And so that was what made me start the Who Am I Really podcast was an effort to try to get those stories out there so that we could change the narrative and the assumptions about adoption to hopefully turn them away from what people think they know and ground those the stories in reality. Wow. You know, you hit something very pivotal um, that, you know, is just being a mainstream conversation, mainstream topic uh, in our now themes, and which is uh, creating a community for a platform. 
you know, a platform for people to be able to come and expand and uh, kudos to you for being able to, to not just step into what you were experiencing, but also stepping into supporting the experiences of others, Thank you. you know, because everyone cannot always fit those type of shoes. So <laughs> I'm giving you some flowers really I, early at the beginning. <laughs> no, I thank you for that so much because it's been quite literally, and I, I don't exaggerate when I say this, some of the most meaningful work I've ever done. It's been eye-opening. I've learned a lot, but I've also heard from guests and from listeners who've said, you know, just thank you for doing this work. This is hearing other adoptee stories has helped me understand more of what I'm going through. It has helped me empathize with other people's situations. Um, it has gotten me through a dark time. Uh, it has helped me to explain more of what I'm feeling as an adoptee to someone near me who cares about me, who I couldn't quite explain it to. And, and hearing those stories has helped me to do that. So it's been quite literally just some an amazing body of work that I'm super proud of. Yeah, that that is definitely amazing work. You definitely need it. Uh, so many of us out there have been walking in this darkness and walking in these past horrific stories. And, and a lot of people end up adopting stories that are not even theirs, you know, and, and, it, and it's challenging. It's difficult for individuals to come forward. So I can definitely attest for helping even myself get to a place to where, how can I identify better with my story? And I definitely identify better by hearing other people um, trials and their tribulations of, of being able to overcome where they've started. Yeah. And so my uh, reading, like the, the information that you shared with me, I, I know that you also uh, had an autobi autobiography uh, speaking about this. And um, what do you feel led you to, to writing the story? Did the story come out before doing the group work or was that something that was after? Yeah, that's a great question. I'm trying to remember the timeline. I think because I think the story started to come out before I started the podcast, because like I said, everywhere I went, people said, wow, that sounds like a movie. You should write a book. Da, 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 da. And I just realized like, I do have a really compelling story to tell here that has both ups and downs um it has triumphs and challenges and it speaks to a true human experience that a lot of people won't know that you're going through unless you put it in a medium where they can read it and understand it and, and get it in your own words and so the process of writing the book which is also called who am i really is was really also very cathartic because it helped me to focus in on my own personal history and the history of my adoptive and biological parents. And what I mean by that is I decided in my book that I wanted to write my story from even before I was born. You know, my birth mother, Anne, had a life before I ever came along. Mm -hmm. There was a series of events that led up to her conceiving me. And then there was a series of events that followed my birth and led me into adoption and therefore the man I am today. So I wanted to be very intentional about helping to share 
the entirety of the story that brings Damon Davis to you today, starting with Anne, leading into my birth, going to my, my adoptive parents, Willie and Veronica, and going through the birth of my son, which was one of the pivotal moments that made me decide that I even wanted to search for my biological family. So keep in mind, when an adopted person who's never known their biological family has children of their own, that is most often the first biological relative they've ever known in their entire life. So it was huge when my son was born because I'm now looking at what could loosely be called like the first branch on my family tree. Mm-hmm. And I've never known another branch before, but I also had to look in the mirror and realize I was the first branch. I was a branch on someone else's tree. And I don't know what tree I'm actually biologically connected to. And it was in that moment that I realized I need to find those roots and understand more of my own personal story. You know, so I have a question, you know, my curiosity is peaking. <laughs> I like that. And, um, and really just want to ask like a really gritty question because uh, being able to share this information is, is so pivotal. Um, knowing when to share this information, how, how you received it, uh, how you share it with your, with, you know, with your first offspring, did you think about what, what your parents went through, your adopted parents went through telling you? Uh, that true story? Did you utilize what how they told you as a way for you to see when and where to open up to your child? Not as much, partially because of where we were in our lives at the time. So to backtrack just a little bit, I was raised with the knowledge that I was adopted. So I was I've always been perfectly comfortable with it because I, I knew that fact from when I was a young man, like a very, like a boy. Mm-hmm. Therefore, I didn't have something that happens sometimes is children are told when they're, you know, six, seven, eight years old, they're much more cognizant of who they are as a, as a person. Mm-hmm. And this adoption news comes as a disruption to their, what they thought was their space in their family. Mm-hmm. Some people learn that they were adopted by accident. You know, the neighbor or the kids at school say it or they lose one of their bio, their adoptive parents. And as they're reading through the files uh, in the attic after that person's death, they find a birth certificate that has their birthday on it. But some other kid's name and they realize, holy mackerel, that's me. I'm adopted. There's all of these discovery points where it's called late discovery adoptee where someone finds out that they were adopted later. I, I knew it all, all my life. So I was perfectly comfortable with it. And so I didn't have any of these moments where I needed to consult my adoptive parents about how to approach adoption and talking about it with my son or anything. I just quite literally grew up completely comfortable with who I was as an adopted person. And, you know, the, coinciding with that like my my parents had their own sort of challenges my I was losing my mom to mental illness and my dad had his own sort of financial and other challenges and so there was just a lot going on mm-hmm. um, that didn't I one didn't require their input and two like I wasn't necessarily in a place to rely on them for a variety of reasons 
Okay. So how, how do you feel like, you know, cause you know, I feel like this is something that people go through, you know, and, and, and they don't know how, how to tell the truth. Yep. You, you know, for me in my personal life, you know, it's just piquing the interest. Uh, I, you know, I was telling you a little bit of my background story, um, uh, not my story, but something that I have, you know, experienced and, you know, people often have those questions of like, um, for me, you know, cause my children are grown. So, mm -hmm. uh, they're very, um, expressive. And so the, the, the information that, that was told to them, you know, they were going and being inquisitive and, and asking the questions, well, you know, how do you feel about that? Are you going to share more? And, being able to to really think like when once an adoptee starts having kids some people they're so okay with the story by a certain point it may not be something that they think they need to share you know with their children yeah. and ultimately you know it's a part of their story mm -hmm. and you know they do need to get told and and being able to see you know from your perspective as you're going through it you know, was it easier because you had already known for so long that you were able to tell your child at a very early age in a nonchalant way? Or, you know, or was it something that you were like, I don't know if I want to tell them or when, like, you know, when I, if I'm going to tell them super early kind of a thing? Yeah, I was absolutely comfortable telling my son about it. And it was interesting because it had to be told at one point because I was, when I met my biological mother, I was introducing a new grandmother to him. So I had to explain who this other person is, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, you know, it's not a typical child who has um, multiple grandmothers coming in on one parent's side. Mm -hmm. so make that explicitly clear what was, what was happening for him. And, um, and it, fortunately, you know, also he was young. And so he didn't need to sort of deeply contemplate what I was telling him. He just kind of accepted it. Right, right. As a young guy. And he grew with the knowledge that my mother, my biological mother, Anne, was his grandma Anne now. It was really fascinating. <laughs> right, right. Uh, I can only imagine... Uh, how it is as a child learning. I know for me, I used to just get told, you know, this is family, this is family. <laughs> yep. Say hello, you know, some, and, and this is me, I, I'm not adopted and I'm still, you know, I get, when I was growing up, I wasn't really keen on how, like, how did I have so many grandparents and stuff? <laughs> mm. Yeah. It's not something you typically think about. And this is part of the challenge that I think a lot of non-adopted people have is, you grow up in your own family. There's no mystery. There's no secret. There's no, you know, there may be secrets that you don't know about. But, mm -hmm. you know, in terms of adoption itself, you don't have to contemplate, wait, what does it feel like for me to have parents that are not actually my biological parents? What does it feel like for me to grow up, let's say, as an Asian child in a white family? or as a black child and then, you know, non-black family or what have you, what does it feel like to grow up with brothers and sisters who don't look like me? You know, in some families, 
the there are multiple children that are adopted and one may be black and one may be Asian and one may be white and et cetera, et cetera. And so your family looks very different from each other. And and that's not something that people who are not adopted are used to thinking about. Because yeah. Grew up with that mirroring that is so central to a nuclear family usually that it's not even something you can fathom. Uh, but this is something that adopted people live with every single day. You know, I've I've often said that when an adopted person who, you know, is transracial or international or what have you and doesn't look like their family, like when you take the family photo and put it on the wall and frame it, you know, every time you walk down the hallway, you see the ways that you look different from your family and you can feel it when you walk along the street. You know, people will look at your family and see oh, those two parents don't look like that kid. That child must be adopted. And I had a guest say to me one time that she loved her parents, but that it was really challenging to grow up as a transracial adoptee, an adopted person of one race who was adopted by people of a different race. Because it was something that was so private about herself that she had was forced to live publicly because everybody could see it. Right. I thought that was a really interesting expression of the challenge. Yeah, you know, it, it, it definitely it definitely does bring, you know, an immediate uh, identification, you know, a, a immediate being able to respond and still be able to, to pay attention. It comes with so many. I mean, every 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 person that comes into this world comes with challenges, you know, and um being able to see how we can excel from it is definitely um, a phenomenal to to witness. Mm-hmm. And adoptees definitely, you know, they have a story, uh, you know, and you, you were asking me that question and I, I wanted to ask you and I said, I guess I figure it's for like here um, because one of the things that I had learned was that we, my like my family was adopted, right? Like I I learned like down the lineage, one of my grandparents, you know, was born out of a a wedlock kind of a situation, and this whole thing about if you're married someone and you're pregnant by someone else, that they're not gonna claim the kid. I don't know a whole bunch of stuff. The story is not very clear, but overall you know, our family name isn't really our family name. And we're finding this out generations later. Mm-hmm. Really interesting. Wow. <laughs> so, but how, but for whatever reason, um, we're still able, apparently we have known about the biological family and it has just been a part of the family. So, and I feel like that's what has made it so confusing. And I guess like, why well, that's why these interesting questions are coming out. Cause it's like, when do you say these things, you mm-hmm. know, at what mm-hmm. point? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Really be really hard for people to fathom. When is the right time? And this is part of the challenge too, is that people are constantly waiting for the right time and it never becomes the time. I've, I know people with adoptees in their family that don't know that they're adopted. And that's partially because the parents always said, it's not the right time to tell this person. Mm-hmm. And what ends up happening is they never tell them. And that's super right. challenging. 
Right, right. Because the, the suspense builds even more. I see people try to do that with people that die. And I mean, I'm like, no, why Why would you do this? Why would mm-hmm. you do this to someone? Yeah, yeah, that's right. If you know, you know, like, let's share that information and communication. And uh, one of the things that I feel like is really pivotal that's going to be able to come out of these kind of scenarios, you know, that I'm hearing is I feel like a lot less judgment is going to come forward um, as far as how we identify um, in our families, you know, because it, it does affect people in so many ways. Like you're saying, when you're, when you're adopted into a, a family, that's a different uh, ethnicity or culture and it's immediately identified these are the one of the things that people get picked on, you know, very easily at a younger age. And the more that we normalize these stories, the the less likely that we'll be sending children to school um, to feel um, unrelatable because it it it's it shows up in so many different ways, yeah. you know, especially with people with disabilities, um, you know, disabilities on top of being adopted. You know, we. We really uh, need to help each other to start balancing out what our family story really needs to look like, you know, flexible, um, movable, malleable, because our story, uh, the beginning of our story doesn't make our character, you know, yeah. how, we, how we adopt our story is going to make our character. Yeah, and it's it's also important to think about the fact that you can own a bad story, a, a traumatic story, and as you said, how you adopt and adapt to it is important. So what I'm trying to get at is your identity within yourself is what's important, not the experiences that have happened to you. You do have to deal with them. We all have to do our work to understand, cope with, and sort of recognize the challenges that we've been through. But I also believe that there's a lot to be said for someone who can stand on their own and recognize what has happened to them and still build triumph out of tragedy, right? And so I don't, I try to encourage people not to just feel like adoption has ruined their life when there's a lot more in this life aside from the fact that they were adopted, but it's hard. I mean, one of the challenges that many adopted people have told me on the show is, you know, I can't help wondering why they placed me for adoption, what it would have been like if I could have lived in my biological family and, and just, you know, questions of their personal existence. It's really tough to, ask yourself this question, who am I really in the face of all of these situations that we deal with in adoption and reunion? Because let's face it, not every adoption is very good. Some of them are not very loving. Some of them are abusive. Some of them are just, they're just not the right place for the child to be. And it's important for us to recognize that because that does define in many ways how a person progresses through their life. You start yeah. from a challenging place 
and it's hard to recover into a place of positivity. But I think I absolutely think it can be done. And, and I believe that a lot of adopted people are striving their best to do it. Now, now that you, you know, have touched base on the people, you know, the stories of adoptions, are you starting to come across uh, the stories of people that weren't able to get adopted? Are, are they starting to come and filter into these communities? Do they feel like they belong or do you feel like that's like another bubble that needs to be really curated for the community as well? Yeah, there's there are so many nuances to the adoption community. There are those who were adopted and there are those and, and who have tried to find their biological family members. There are those who were raised in foster care, for example, mm-hmm. as you're sort of alluding to, who you said were not able to be adopted. There are, you know, children who are international adoptees, you know, brought domestically from other countries. There are transracial adoptees who may have been, you know, adopted in this country across racial lines. There are so many nuances to adoption and the stories that I hear cross all of those lines and many more. Uh, but there are definitely some podcasts out there that do focus on some of the nuances that I've talked about. Uh, there are, you know, Asian adoptee podcasts and Russian adoptee podcasts and just a whole array of international and cultural focused podcasts that people can find um, a lot of value from because it will speak directly to your own personal experience and the, and the adoption, the piece of the adoption community you come from. Wow. Wow. That's, that's very great to, to know, you know, our people out there need to, to be able to know that there are um, different areas of focus for, for this typical storyline. And um, I, I mean, I just love that this conversation is coming into this, this now moment because like, I care about everyone's story, Damon, like mm-hmm. everyone. So I'm just like thinking about, okay, like, okay, now, you know, what about like the birth mom, like these kind of scenarios, these kind of settings, you know, it, it opens up for the story of the birth mom, you know, like what they went through and, and why it was challenging for them. Because honestly, you know, n- no judgment on anyone, but I think that giving up that, right is a strength and a character in itself mm-hmm. you know? yeah because there's just so many things that could have happened before you know and so us being able to honor our choices and and identify with you know the purpose of being able to give birth being able to give life and our main job is to put a child into the best pathway of excelling, mm-hmm. you know, yep. and, and, and we have to be able to accept that, you know, if this person really didn't feel like they were going to be adequate enough, you know, who are we to come, you know, decades later and, and, and just like, just put all of that weight on one side and, and how can we um, have some compassion and balance for two of the stories? Because yes, the hurt, or the discomfort or the confusion matters and it needs to be heard, but so does the story of 
the, the, the parent, like you were mentioning before, our parents had this whole life. And I say this to children that live with their birth parents, mm-hmm. because, because even then, you know, we get so um, uh, spoiled in our privilege. And I'm saying this for myself, like, because I've reflected growing up and I looked at my parents like they were supposed to serve me. Yeah. You know, every yeah. one of your choices are supposed to make me satisfied. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, let me jump in real quick because there's something that I want to hit on. So, if your audience isn't familiar in the adoption community, we frequently talk about a triad, which is the adopted person, the adoptive parents, and the birth parents. So, usually the birth mom, but the birth parents, because those are the the three core groups of people involved in adoption. And there's podcasts quite literally for every one of those groups and, and they're nuanced in very in various ways. But the reason I wanted to go back to that is because every one of those groups has experienced some kind of trauma. And I want to underscore what some of them are, and it's not limited to this. But just remember that the adopted person is someone who was born in one family, raised in another family. There's a separation there. Right. And if you think about like your classic birth story, usually a a child is taken from the mother's womb, you know, placed on her chest and a bonding begins outside of the body where the child is finally able to sort of feel, you know, the mother and, and her touch in a way that never, you know, happened before they were born. And unfortunately, in an infant adoption, you know, that child is whisked away many times into into adoption and there's no bond with the mother most, most often. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a, there's a trauma of separation of the child from the family to further talk about the trauma of separation of child and family. There are children who grow up in their family. And unfortunately the scene inside the house in the family, what have you turns toxic. It is deemed that it's not the best place for the, the child and the child is ripped from their family and taken into foster care for their safety, but still, that child, I guarantee you, would prefer to be with its own parents mm-hmm. than to be with another family. So I want you to, I want the audience to just recognize the trauma from the adopted person's perspective, the separation, yes, individual from their family. Now, to move to the birth parents, a lot of birth mothers. I helped start a podcast called Birth Moms Real Talk. And D. Yvonne Rivers is the host of Birth Moms Real Talk, and she interviews birth moms about their experience, you know, getting pregnant, uh, making the choice or having the choice forced on them to pursue an adoption placement. And there's trauma there as well, right? This woman mm-hmm. carried this baby for nine months or however long it took and, you know, has some emotional investment or attachment or some emotional experience, because it could have been traumatic from their conception with this baby. And now the baby is born and separated and this mother either has to go back to her normal life and pretend like this never happened, either has to go back and feel ashamed from her parents, her clergy leader, her community, um, so I, I point out just those few examples because there's trauma on the birth mother's side as well. I'll include the birth fathers, too, because periodically there's a birth father who actually wants to help keep the baby that he conceived. 
And, you know, parents and clergy and community and others will say, no, 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 you're too young. You can't do this. This child has to go somewhere else. And I've heard stories of fathers who were absolutely distraught with the fact that their child was going to be raised by somebody else. So there's trauma in the birth parents part of the triad as well. And then finally, there's trauma in the adopted families portion of the triad. There's some reason that parents are not able to uh, conceive children on their own. Um, Sometimes the child is conceived and unfortunately they lose the child um, and the child passes away. There are folks who are not able to conceive a child. And that is a huge struggle because as you've said, one of the things that we do in life as humans is procreate. Mm -hmm. Then, you know, there are, LGBTQ couples who are not able to, you know, conceive for biological reasons, and they can be traumatized in the way they're treated in the adoption system. So I I wanted to just make sure that your listeners have a good understanding of just a small piece of what adoption trauma looks like, because it comes at us from all angles, and it impacts everybody in the adoption community. And, but I want to be clear also, I'm not trying to paint an entirely negative picture of adoption. Like I had a wonderful family. My family was, was amazing. My dad was a great guy, gregarious laughter and, uh, you know, a gregarious outgoing laughing kind of guy. And my mom was extremely caring and, and very diligent in her, in her work to raise me. I had a wonderful adoption. So I don't want to paint the picture that All adoptions are these ugly, awful things. But I do want to paint a realistic picture as to what adoption can be for different people. And and it 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 varies where you are in your adoption journey. People can have amazing adoptions and awful reunions. They can have incredible, like terrible adoptions and amazing. Like it just varies. I don't know what my opposites were there, but you get my point. Like you can have one be good and the other be bad. You can have the first be bad and the other be good and a whole bunch of nuance in between. Yeah. I mean, we're going to have, you know, we're, we're going to have stories and, and, and so many ways, you know, and, and uh, being able to anchor into them for perspective, you know, for, for acceptance, for clarity, you know, it, it is important to see both sides, you know, this mm-hmm. is, the, this is the pretty, prettier picture. This is the funkier picture. You know, this is the really shady picture. That's right. You know, right. and, and, and the, those that have a lighter load are going to typically be able to um, be the ones that can really spearhead, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, the space of, uh, I can see how, this has been challenging for you because I had it easier, but that doesn't take away the challenge that I had to experience. Mm-hmm. That's right. I think, you know, one of my big things is empathy. We have to try to put ourselves in other people's shoes and understand their feelings, their perspectives. You don't have to agree, but you do have to open your mind as to why someone might feel the way that they do so that you can be a better listener, a better supporter of their journey. 
Um, and, and just, you know, it just goes so far for people to look beyond themselves to understand someone else's story. And, and I think it speaks to what you're talking about there. Yeah, I, I definitely, I'm enjoying this conversation. I really feel like it's opening up a bracket in the, in the space of healing, because there's so many conversations where, where people are coming in on this, this healing spectrum and uh, being able to touch into this space because the, who am I, this is, this is one of the questions that I ask people uh, that come through my safe space community, Mm -hmm. right? Before we get anywhere far in work, I need to know who you think you are. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people think, you know, a lot of people come into the session and be like, I didn't really know how to answer this. Yep. Yep. You know, and, and so being able to just like plug in that question and seeing individuals plug in that question everywhere, you know, it's, it's, it, it doesn't matter where you're at. It matters that I need to land my story where I, it's attainable for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I can feel comfortable enough to to display it, to share it, to balance it, you know, to grow from it. And I we can't do that if we're super sensitive to the root of what created us. Yeah, that is exactly right. That's exactly right. And I and so I've really this conversation, we've already gone for 41 minutes. Look at this. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack in adoption. And I think that a lot yeah. of people, you know, as I've said, if you're not in the adoption constellation in the triad, you probably haven't thought about these issues very much. And it can be really eye opening to hear somebody talk about these issues from a very real perspective. So, yeah, this is how the conversation, you know, time flies because <laughs> it's crazy. That's right. That's right. Um, so I asked you how. How has the stories transformed you now? Like, do you feel even more pumped? Like, yeah, I was adopted. <laughs> Is it pumping you, know, you up? <laughs> it's a, it, it's an, that's a great question. It is more that I feel, listen, I've done 190 something episodes of the Who Am I Really podcast. And basically what it has given me is, like a master class in the adoption experience. Because like I said, I've talked to people from every, every walk of life from all over the world and, you know, from every socioeconomic strata to various races and ethnicities. And I've, it's been so eye opening to me. I hear, positive reunion stories i hear negative reunion stories i hear combinations of the two and uh and adoption stories as well and i think just more than anything else my eyes have just been really really opened to what the adoption adoption experience can be for anybody uh, yeah. you know it's it's been a real journey to both open my own mind to what people were going to say, but also to help people to feel comfortable sharing the intimacy of their own journey. You know, this is, this is very, very intimate personal stuff that people are going into on my show. And, and I just feel so privileged that 
folks trust me to help their story be told. So that's, those are some of the feelings that I have. That's phenomenal. So I'm, I'm going to push a little bit more. Do you ever see your book going into different languages? Oh gosh, I would love that. Absolutely. <laughs> I think that would be incredible. So, and you know, one of my great desires is to write another book. You know, I've got 190 episodes of all kinds of adoption experiences. And I would love to write a book that talks about quite literally the adoption experience, like what it's like to be adopted from all of these perspectives and what it's like to seek reunion. So it sounds like the chicken soup for the adopted soul. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's going to be the, it's going to be a fascinating passion project that will follow on to already an amazing passion project. Yeah. And, and it's, that's a big thing that's coming forward. I know that I promote that. So please make sure you share your link with me. Um, because I, I would love to, I'm curating a list of, of, of autobiographies, you know, authentic now stories, because, because they're, they're relevant for right now. You know, we're, we're transitioning through this for right now, you know, is Abraham Lincoln's bio good? Yes. I'm pretty sure, but we weren't living then. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Well, I appreciate that you're collecting and curating a list of personal stories because this is exactly why I do the podcast to try to do that very thing. Um, so that we have a collection of the adoption experience. It's, it's been wonderful work. Yeah, yeah. And I, I definitely would love to highlight it more. I am all about like showing praise. Like I would love like, this is how much I, I told you, I don't deal with adoption much, but I feel like the adopted soul could just <clears throat> redefine a lot of what people experience as like their own trials and tribulations because a lot of people get locked into the character of their familiar behavior Mm -hmm. you know and adopted person gets a chance to make a choice yeah you know yeah and 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 if they get to go as far as reuniting they get to then say oh that's why i used to opt to do these weird things makes sense now You would be so astonished to hear some of the things that adopted people have shared with me about commonalities they found with their biological family members. It's things like one woman told me that she was out shopping one day and she saw a motorcycle jacket that she absolutely had to have. She'd never ridden a a bike. She had, you know, always been a fan of them, but like she just had to have this motorcycle jacket. She learned that her, her biological father was a huge motorcycle guy. Hmm. Talked to one lady who said that uh, she was sitting with her biological family and they, you know, she was in reunion. They were having a family event and they were all sitting and watching the news on TV. And then at the same time, every single person in the room's phones chimed with the same news alerts, the same (laughs) flash because they were all news junkies. (laughs) And I've had people say, you know, that they've had this weird extreme affinity for foreign countries. One lady told me that she was just always enamored with Italy and she was not, she'd never been to Italy and she just never could figure out why she was so enamored with that country. And of course she found that her biology was there in, in Italy. And, you know, the stories go on and on and on. I mean, to go to one of the things you started to talk about is the physical mirroring, you know, myself growing up when I was young, you know, I had long hair, like an Afro, 
and it would always be a like a decent reddish brown in the summertime and it you could really see the red in the sun and i never knew why you know i had reddish brown i, I even have a, a couple of hairs in my eyebrows that turn a reddish brown in the summer and uh and come to find out that my biological mother was a fiery redhead when she was a younger woman before she was old and gray when i met her so you know you get to see these physical attributes these you know mental connections all of these things that you could never explain previously are suddenly validated when you get to meet biological family it's really really wild and it can be fulfilling in ways that you didn't even know you needed i i had no desire to look for my biological family when i was younger mm -hmm. but uh but the birth of my son was hugely inspirational among other things and the experience of meeting my birth mother and my birth father were just two moments that i couldn't even tell you i needed but once i got them i was like oh that felt good you know what i mean mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like, you know, I, I just hear, you know, I just like, I, I know the adopted story could be just crazy sometimes, but I just hear like, you know, a, a, a child stuck with their biological parent, they have to listen to their rules for the rest of their life. Adopt a child gets to come in whenever they want and just impede whenever kind of a thing. It, you know, it's just like the, the things that we get to do that I could never say that, I could do that, you know? Mm -hmm. So like we get to have different stories that an adoptive person can say, well, you don't get to just, you know, show up when you want. I did. Yeah. And you, you know, like you, we can play with these things. Like they, they don't have to be so, you know, um, daunting because everybody's story is different. Yep. That's exactly right. And we have to respect them. That's why I'm always interested in people exhibiting empathy for others. Yes. Yes. I love that. So I, I know that we are, um, at that point of wrapping up, uh, I, I'm pretty sure I could keep you into this conversation for much longer. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I would love to just um, round us out with some like empowered tips, because even though, you know, I, Mahatma, love to show the brighter side of things, mm -hmm. I know that empowerment is always needed. A lot of us out there just have some some trouble. Um, and some challenges. And so what are some empowering things that you can share with those out there that, you know, um, are still struggling with the, with the uh, learning of their story? Yeah, I, I'd like to focus on adoptees, if that's okay. I mean, yes. the adoption triad. So I'm going to start with adoptees. So for empowerment tips for adoptees, I'm going to say, take time to own your story. And that can take on many forms. You could write it down. You could express it artistically. Some people are songwriters, whatever. Tell, tell your story on podcasts, but try to tell your story and start to own it so that you can control your own narrative in your head. Um, and acknowledge the fact that like you may be an adopted person who has not started a reunion search yet and you want to, that's okay. Don't worry about what other people think of whether you want to search or not. Some people will tell you, why do you want to search? You know, siblings will say things like, weren't mom and dad enough for you? Or parents, adoptive parents will say, weren't, wasn't I enough for you? Don't worry about that. Your desire to search comes from an innate 
questioning of who you are in this world and who you are bi biological, biologically related to. And there's nothing wrong with that. And you just have to let people be in their own space to deal with that. An empowerment tip for birth families, I will say, is let the past be in the past. I know it's hard. I know that birth mothers have gone through a tremendous amount. And I will say along this empowerment tip, like do your work to try to reconcile what happened before, because when that adopted person comes back and wants to know you, you should try to be in a healthy place to receive them. You don't have to get into a deep best friend relationship, but just shutting someone out and not wanting to know them because you're still scared as a full grown adult who hasn't done the work to sort of reconcile what has transpired with you. I think that's unfair to both of you, honestly. You're, you're not dealing with something in your own past and you're shutting out a child that you brought into the world um, who, you know, they may not want much from you at all. And so I would just encourage birth families to reconcile with the past, reconcile with the fact that an adopted person is likely to find you these days. Social media, Ancestry DNA and other DNA platforms are, are allowing new avenues for that. And you need to you need to get right with that. And and finally, for adoptive parents, I trust that you went into adoption with the right intentions and that you were the best darn parent you possibly could be. And if you were not and you know that. You probably owe somebody an apology and you should own that as an adult and, you know, tell them, you know, I could have done better, but also help them understand that you're supportive of their search because I want you to understand something just because an adopted person wants to find their biological family doesn't mean that their cup of love for you is being poured into someone else's cup. It just means that they're starting a new cup, right? You can think of it like I heard this analogy recently when a person is getting married they're not bringing a spouse into the family who is taking love from the other family members. They're just spreading more love onto this new spouse and this other family, right? So love isn't something that is finite. And when you pull from one space, it draws from that space and goes to another. There's enough to go around. So just recognize that when your adoptee wants to search, this is part of their personal discovery journey. And if you're not supportive of it, they're going to cut you out and you'll be left on the sideline, not knowing how they're feeling, how they're doing. They won't want you to know any of this stuff because you weren't supportive. So I encourage you to you know, recognize that you're part of something greater than just you and that adopted child. It's you and your family. It's you and their family. And they need in many Many times they need to know more about who that original family is, and that is okay. Wow, that was beautiful. That was definitely beautiful. And I'm just going to back up Damon's empowerment and uh, go check out more of his podcast. That's go right. Check who it really? out. <laughs> yes, you can find it. It's Who Am I Really? Uh, it's Who Am I Really podcast at. Uh, excuse me, it's whoamireallypodcast.com. 
You can follow the show at WAI Really, and you can follow me at Damon L. Davis. Both of those are on Instagram, and I'm looking forward to hearing more stories from across the adoption community from my more men. I would love to hear from more adopted men. I would love to hear from the LGBTQ community. I would love to hear from international adoptees and so many more. So I'm looking forward to connecting with more adopted people. Fantastic. And for those of you, we do have a new feature and you can ask a question. So if there's any questions that come up for you that you want to shoot towards Damon or myself, definitely hit that button and I will be able to forward it and get those things questioned, those questions answered for you. This has been an amazing conversation. I am, I feel so honored and blessed uh, for you to come onto the show and, and share this space with me. Um, thank thank you. you so much, Damon. No, and... <laughs> I mean, I, re- I really appreciate your openness to this topic. Thank you. Thank you. You really helped me to express my care. I love having just phenomenal conversations and I'm here to have those dynamic conversations and I'm, I'm honored to hold that space. And um, for those of you also that are listening, if you're looking to deepen the understanding of these topics and want to learn more, you want to find out other ways to connect, you can definitely go to my bio on my Instagram. I do have a discovery session that you can sign up for free. You can also make sure you tune in all the way to the end of this because I always have a healing sound episodes that post right after these episodes because reflection is so key. We open up and unpack some really quality content and I want to support you by having some nice, calm, peaceful sounds that come on after you've listened to this. So make sure you tune into the episode next. And until next time, this is Mahatma Starseed, and we are tuning out.